Welcome to Promised Land at Home Podcast, where we bring people into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and each other. Wherever life has you, we pray that today's sermon both challenges and encourages you. We're so glad you're listening today and hope you enjoy the message. This is the eighth day after Jesus is born. So, you know, it's the end of the Christmas story, but it's very, very fresh um, in the sequence of events. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and um, as the weeks go along this December, we're going to talk about that more and more, but um, he was born, and his mother and father, Mary and Joseph, were just blown away at this event that happened. They're loving on him. The shepherds come. That's what we're talking about on December 18th. Shepherds come, worship amazed at what's happening. And then there's this cultural thing that happens um, that I want us to read about in Luke, the second chapter. We're going to start at verse 21. It says, eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given to him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, Jerusalem was not that far away, but this is a part of the story that a lot of people don't really think about. Eight days in, they pack, you know, pack up the donkey, you know, get the child seat, you know, whatever. They put on the donkey. They're going from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. It's not a long way, but it's about 10 miles, 12 miles away. But I want you to think about that. No cars, walking a lot of the way, riding on a donkey. Jesus is all, I'm sure, nestled up to his mother, wrapped around, you know, all nestled up. They go on this journey, just to fast forward a little bit, they go to Jerusalem for this official Jewish celebration of a newborn, and then they go back to Bethlehem because you know what's happening next. This is technically the end of the Christmas story. When the wise men come, they come to Jerusalem. Hey, we've been following the star. Where is the Messiah? And they get led to Bethlehem, and that's when the wise men go to Bethlehem. Verse 23, the law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. That goes all the way back to Samuel. Way back in the Old Testament. Verse 24, so they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. That was the offering that they took. Now, what that means is they're offering their son to the Lord. And instead of this being a, like, We're offering our son to the Lord, and instead of leaving Jesus there at the altar, the offering, the the turtle doves or the pigeons is the substitute for leaving your child. Does that make sense? The whole animal sacrifice thing was this substitution for the baby. Verse 25. This is what I really want to talk to you about today. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, 
and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel, the Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Verse 27, that day the, Lord, this, that day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to, the, to, present, to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation. I want you to, if you're taking notes or in your Bible there, circle salvation, highlight salvation. I have seen your salvation. What did he see? Jesus. He saw Jesus. He saw salvation. I want you to remember, keep remembering. I want to keep reiterating this to you as long as I'm pastor here. Salvation is Jesus. The process of salvation is Jesus. Jesus encapsulates everything needed for salvation, which you have prepared for all people. Verse 32, he is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Verse 33, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Isn't that interesting? On one hand, there's all these amazing things prophesied about Jesus. And then on the other hand, there's some heaviness there. That Jesus is going to cause some people to be very offended. And he even offers some foreshadowing there to the heartbreak that Mary will experience as she sees her son suffer, rejected, murdered. In front of her. So a lot of stuff there about the prophecy of Simeon over Jesus and towards Mary and Joseph. And I've, you know, I've read about Simeon a lot. And I don't know how much you have, you know, read in this story and heard it preached about. But a lot of times I've thought that Simeon was the priest that, that, you know, performed this circumcision and he was the the priest that they brought Jesus to as the offering, the turtle doves and the pigeons to Simeon. But it doesn't say that in here. And um, it doesn't really even say that he's old. Now, if you keep reading, there's another beautiful part there of a lady named Anna, and I encourage you to read that part too. Very similar type of situation. Anna has been worshiping and praying in the temple and living there waiting on the Messiah. That's a whole nother message that I don't have for you tonight, but very, very interesting stories. But it does say that she is old. She's like in her 80s. But it doesn't really say Simeon is old. It doesn't say he's a priest. In fact, there's something very, very interesting. And today when I was reading this, it just really jumped out off the page at, at me. Uh, it says, at, the time, at that time, this is the eighth day, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. A 
man. There's just a man, and, and, and he was a righteous, devout man. This is verse 25. And he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. This is very deep, deep thing said, very powerful thing said about Simeon, but it doesn't say that he was a priest. Just, I, I mean, I just started relating to him. Like this is a, this is a, this is a regular guy. Because, and, and mainly because of this next thing that it says, it says, the Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him, this is verse 26, had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And look what verse 27 says, that day the Spirit led him to the temple. So in other words, he wasn't there just out of habit or every day at the temple, but the Spirit literally led him there that particular day, like today's the day. You've been waiting for a long time. Today's the day. So when he went there, he knows this is the baby. This is the one. Can you imagine the excitement, you know, the heart that he just, I'm sure, was just pounding inside of his chest as he was approaching the temple. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. So I, I want us to stop just for a second. I want you to think, how do you compare to Simeon? And this is what happened to me today. I mean, honestly, today's message came out of my personal devotion today. I'm just kind of exposing some of my thoughts about this from this morning. That as I look at Simeon's life, I think, He's a guy like me. Am I like him? Am I righteous? Am I devout? And the most convicting thing to me is, do I eagerly await the presence of the Lord? Or or, or am I so preoccupied with the busyness of life? Or am I so enamored with a counterfeit that the presence of the Lord is not what I wait for. Waiting means that you don't have it now. Waiting means that there's a void. Waiting means I know it's coming and I am going to intentionally discipline myself and abstain from things and abstain from jumping at a substitution. Or something that might emotionally make me feel good for the moment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause on that. I'm going to say no to that because I'm waiting on the Lord. And to be very honest with you right now, I was very convicted today. Because I thought I have substituted the presence of the Lord with so many earthly things. And I don't want to do that. I want to wait on the Lord. I want to wait because what I'm saying and what Simeon was saying, what I would be saying is he's worth it. He's worth the wait. He's he's worth me 
being, and some of y'all went through financial peace recently. Dave Ramsey talks about maturity in this way, that it's delayed pleasure. Delayed pleasure, that's maturity. That's what this is. Waiting means I am delaying, instantly gratifying myself right now because I know that it will pay off. I know that if what I'm waiting for is the real thing and it's worth the wait. And I just, I wanna challenge all of us in here. I don't know what status, what situation you're going through. Maybe you're watching online right now. I'm so thankful that you are, but I, I'm, I, I hope to really stir up a little bit of your, of your day, your week, of your season. I mean, a lot of times that we all have this at the end of the year, beginning of the year, you know, resolutions and like all these spiritual disciplines get stirred up in us. But, you know, maybe this is just a head start on that. But, but doing some evaluation of like, where have I not waited for the Lord? Where in my life have I taken something that is not the Lord and I've compromised because I just couldn't wait? Because I was so spiritually immature and... Maybe I wasn't fully aware of the goodness of God. That God is so good, I don't have to look anywhere else for satisfaction. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. That rings a bell. God is so good. The goodness of God really can be trusted. And when we don't trust that goodness of God, we take shortcuts. We, you know, there's, I mean, we all have different temptations in this area. Maybe it's a relationship. Um, maybe it's making money or, you know, uh, a job, uh, you know, approval of people or um, working hard to earn others' approval. Maybe it's at work or at home. Um, Sexual relationships, you know, sacrificing your values and your morals in order to earn another human being's affection or approval. Knowing that, man, this is not, this is not God's way, but I don't know if I can wait. I want to challenge you. That God is worth it. That God is worth it. That, that the reward of the Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, it says that, he, it says that the Spirit was upon him. I'm, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to wait by yourself. The Holy Spirit is going to give you sustenance and what you need in life. So even while you're, you're waiting on the salvation even while you're waiting on the fulfillment of something, some part of your life or whatever that God is, has, in, has in store for you, the Holy Spirit will be with you. Simeon trusted the goodness of God. And he was like, I'm just going to wait and I'm not gonna die until I've seen salvation. Simeon knew that his needs would be thoroughly met by God. Simeon believed that God was worth 
the weight. There's a scripture in the Old Testament. You've, you've heard it many, many times. I'm sure those of you that have been around for a while, but Isaiah 40 and 30 and 31 says, even the youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall utterly fall. But what? They that wait, they that wait for the Lord. What's gonna happen to them? They shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The scripture says that even young men, stout, healthy, in shape, muscular warriors, the young ones, they're going to get tired and they're going to faint because this is in human nature to be weary. It says young men shall utterly fall. But those that wait on the Lord, even if you're not young, even if you're old and feeble, okay, weak, if you wait on the Lord, all of a sudden, he will be there for you. He's going to provide every single need that you have. You shall renew. Your, your, your strength shall be renewed. You shall mount up like eagle's wings. And the, just the science behind an eagle's soar is absolutely incredible. One stroke of an eagle's wings they can soar for hundreds and hundreds of feet up into the air and then glide and just just the um, the amazing uh picture of an eagle soaring and its power and its strength i want you to start visualizing yourself that's how you have the power to wait because of the promise of the word of god shall run and not be weary you shall walk and not faint don't have a lot for you tonight I have something clear for you tonight, okay? That, that God has something worth your time, worth your weight. And there is going to be a bombardment towards you. The world is not going to stop pushing its agenda on you. The devil is not going to stop trying to get you to take the substitute, the counterfeit, the compromise. The devil is going to try to continue to distract you by your hunger and your thirst for satisfaction and pleasure. And what's going to feel like is like, I don't think God's out there still. I think God forgot about me. I don't know that there is a God. You know, all these doubts, all these anxious thoughts that come your way, and so the devil's just president, president, president. We've got to stay focused, and we need each other in this, right? We need each other to keep building up our faith. And um, and, and Timothy, the book of Timothy, Paul's teaching, and um, he says we're going to build up our faith, build up our faith by praying. Actually, this is in the book of Jude. Sorry, I'm on the fly a little bit here. The book of Jude says we're going to build up our faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. And so I just want to, I just want to challenge you a little bit uh, here tonight that Simeon is this beautiful imagery that we can look at. I mean, the Bible is so much like a mirror when we look at it and we can see ourselves 
And if there's something about that that is challenging to you, lean into that. Say, Lord, Lord, where have I, have I jumped the gun and I've been doing it so much that I have forgotten? It's become so natural to me that I, I don't even realize that I'm doing it. And it's become such a crutch for me and I'm so used to living life with this addiction or this relationship or this business situation that I'm in or you know, whatever it is that, that, you're, that you're involved with, um, I, I'm glad you are hearing the word today. I'm glad you're hearing the word of God today to kind of awaken you, sober you up a little bit to hear that God is worth it, that God is so good to be a righteous man, to be a devoted woman. Um, and that's what's beautiful about this story is that you've got the story of Simeon, and then you got the story of Anna right there. They're both right there, and they're both just beautiful pictures of people that are saying, you know what, I'm going to do whatever it takes and press in into the presence of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, and just allow, allow myself to get lost in the beauty and the, and the profound supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit. And if you're new maybe to Christianity or maybe new to churches like Promised Land or whatever, and you're not aware of the, of the potency and the realistic manifestation of the presence of the Lord, I want to welcome you into this world, into this presence of God, this Holy Spirit, where you can be like Simeon. Now, in this particular time, in Simeon's day, it was very rare for someone to have the Holy Spirit, quote, upon them. But after Acts, the second chapter, the Holy Spirit is poured out to all flesh. And everybody is able to receive and walk in and live in the presence of the Lord. Let's stand. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me and let's close our eyes and let's just think about it right now. I want you to be introspective. I want you to look inside, look inside right now. No one's, no one's uh, looking at you. No one's thinking about you. We're all just thinking about ourselves right now. I want you to just do a little soul inventory. God, my soul has a craving and a longing to be fulfilled and satisfied. And I have allowed the things of this world to sort of dabble in that satisfaction. And those things offer momentary glimpses of satisfaction but God I don't want to live with a substitute I don't want to live with something that is of this earth chasing one thing after another when Jesus you can give us a drink from the well that will never run dry 
I want to challenge some of y'all to fast. Maybe go on a one-day fast or two-day fast, three-day fast. Between now and the beginning of the year, our our church is going to go on a church-wide fast at the beginning of the year for a few days. You can never fast too much. (laughs) So a fast is a purposeful omission. It's a it's a intentional avoidance of something that you regularly indulge in. Most often food. It's a fast of food, but social media fast, TV fast, um, electronics fast. Um I want to challenge you to start thinking through that. And what happens on these fasts is that it breaks you out of your routine and your rhythm. And it forces you to see some things that you may not want to see. And then you're confronted with it and you have a choice. Do I want to keep walking in this path or do I want to, do I want to wait on the Lord? So maybe, maybe you can incorporate that into... Uh, this month at some point because we need something in our life to really illuminate and make clear the parts of our life that we have compromised in. Um, Sometimes it takes the elimination of something before you realize how much you really depended on it. And then you can determine if it was unhealthy or not. So I want to challenge you first Wednesday people. It's a little bit deeper message than a Sunday morning, but you're first Wednesday people. So let's go. Thank you, Jesus, for one more chance. Lord, thank you for one more day. Lord, your grace is so amazing. It's so immeasurable. It's hard to even discuss. You've given us another chance at this. And so we surrender. We make a concerted effort to humble ourselves before you. And... I just look at those characteristics of Simeon, righteous, devout, spirit-led, waiting for salvation. Lord, we wait on you. If that's your cry today, if that's your heart today, why don't you just say that to him? Very simple, Lord, I want to wait on you. I want to wait on you, Lord. I believe in you, Jesus. I trust in your goodness, Lord. Even when things get shaky, even when things get difficult, Lord, I still trust you. I still trust your goodness. Lord, I want to depend on you. Not even myself, Lord. I want to depend on you. I want to be addicted to you, God.
I want to be sensitive so that when something's not right, Lord, I feel it instantly. I don't want to be calloused. I don't want to, I don't want to be insensitive to the, to the details of what can happen on a daily basis. Lord, I want to be ready. I want to hear your voice. I want to see your salvation, God. I want to be prepared. I want my heart to be prepared for that. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget we want to connect with you. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching Promised Land San Marcos, on Instagram at PSM Church, or on our website, psmchurch.com. Thanks again for listening to the Promised Land at Home podcast.